So I think definitely for other people starting small businesses, outsourcing small things that other people are experts in, it's really better overall. Like my economics teacher back in, in uh, college always would say, you know, specialization is always where you want to go. If a company can specialize in something, you know, use their specialization to support your core business. And uh, that's been something I always think about when I'm doing stuff. I'm like, okay, should I be wasting my time on this or should I just have someone do it and then provide me so I can focus on my original problems I want to do, you know, want to solve. Welcome to the About That Wallet podcast show, where we help you build strong financial behaviors. And my name is Anthony and I'll be your host today. And I have a wonderful guest by John Tebow. How you doing today, John? Doing all right. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'll just roll back a little bit to like how I started this and um, kind of talk about why it all started. So I was sitting at my desk one day at work and they pushed us to have this new little piece of plastic token item that we have to carry with our ID card. And it looks like this. I don't know. You can see that well, but I had to have this around my neck and it was clacking around with my ID card. It's really frustrating. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this sucks. I need to get rid of this thing. And um, after like two days of having it and hearing it, I'm like, this just something needs to be done. So I, uh, I said, you know what, let's make, let's go to Amazon and see if I can buy something and you know, solve this problem. And I couldn't find anything. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Usually everything I look for to solve a problem in my life is usually either on Amazon or somewhere on the internet or just being sold, right? Most problems are solved these days. Um, so that was like my first indication, like, okay, I've gone to something, right? Um, so then I said, all right, well, you know what? Let's let's use my pre-existing skills, which I had some CAD skills I learned in high school. And I said, all right, let me just CAD something out and then I'll send it out to a company and have them 3D print it for me. And, uh, you know, that was the first idea. And then there were so many people in my work with the same problem. And I was like, you know what? Let me see if I could do something else. And, you know, talking to friends and family and they were all like, yeah, it's, that's a good idea. You should just buy your own 3D printer. So I went out and, you know, found a, like a used one. I was like, I always think of a concept of how much time, how much money am I going to spend here equivalent to how much time it takes to make me. So like if I'm going to spend $1,500, I know it takes me like two weeks of my own time of my life to be able to make that money. So that's how like I kind of adjust the risk for how much I want to actually risk. Um, and then, uh, so I, I went, when I actually that night when I came up with the idea, I was up to like 3 a.m. just doing the CAD work and putting the pieces together and testing it out um, in the software. And then, um, and then I, I went to work the next day and I'm like, this is gonna happen. I was talking to everybody about it and I was all excited. And then, then the beginning of the, the naysayers started. People were like, why are you gonna sell that? Like, where are you gonna sell it? And people are never gonna pay that much for that. Cause I told them how much I'd have to charge. Because um, the 3D printing process is not like a mass manufacturing type of deal, right? Um, and you know, the naysayers began. So anyway, I kept going. I was like, I'm gonna do this, I'll do what I can do. So a couple weeks later, the 3D printer shows up and it's broken because it got delivered in the mail and it was like FedEx to USPS and then they went back and forth and it was jacked. So 
Um, <laughs> so first step was, okay, now I have this 3D printer that I don't know anything about really, and I need to fix it. So my dad, luckily he has like some background building stuff. So he, uh, he got like some zip ties and just zip tied it together. <laughs> and you could tell it was, it was, it was pretty sketch, but amazingly that printer still worked. And I was like, all right, we're onto something here. And you could tell like the first prints had a little bit of like waviness to them. They all worked, but, uh, but yeah, it was definitely <laughs> on its last leg there. But that actually helped too, because the uh, guy I bought it from like felt bad. So he gave me like $200 off the price. So <laughs> nice. I just sent him an email. And I was like, hey, can you reduce the price since it arrived broken? <laughs> um, but yeah, so then uh, I started out and I was like, okay, well, let me see how much, how many of these units I'd have to sell to pay off the 3D printer I just purchased, which was 1100 bucks mm-hmm. used on eBay. And uh, it was about, um, I guess it was a hundred holders that I had to sell. And you know, this is what they look like. It's just a simple, put this piece with this piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked out really well. And I sold a hundred within the first two weeks. So I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, wow, I need to scale this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and I could go forward to where we are today, which is with like, 10 3D printers. And we manufactured almost 50,000 of these at this point. So um it's really sort of been kind of life-changing, like building this small empire of 3D printing, as, as my fiance calls it. <laughs> so, so that's yeah. really awesome, like, throughout your process that um, one of those key things, if you just kind of bulk it together, mm-hmm. can you um, kind of say, what are those key things as a business owner or even a risk taker that you have to kind of think about? Yeah, you, you really need to take risks to make any money. I mean, that's really what it is. Um, it's You can minimize your risk to an extent um, by like being an expert in something and spending a lot of time researching, but at some point you have to take the plunge and just risk it. And with me, it was 1100 bucks plus my time. Um, so that's something really crucial. What was the other part? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you could. Um, because that was one of the things I was thinking about, like the key components. Mm-hmm. So like you pretty much made this thing in four different ways. Like first you you thought about it, mm-hmm. then you talked about it. Yep. And you actually took action on it. And then now you have actual physical product and life that you yep. can actually touch. Exactly. And so that was pretty cool. Like that process to see how you know, all the stuff that we, a lot of people actually talk about, but for you to actually go through it, I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I know that's one of the biggest things too. It's like, everybody tells me they're like, Oh, wow, you actually went out and did it. Yeah. Cause that's, people can talk a lot about different things, but you just have to go out and try to do it. And it really does take up time. So, you know, if you, if you want to not be working all the time, like on the weekends, like I put in a lot of time all throughout like the weekends after work, I come home and I'm like, let me keep working on this. So it definitely takes dedication to do it. Um, so financial plus the time dedication to get it to work. Right. Did, uh, were your parents like your first supporters or? Yeah. I mean, they were excited for me. I mean, I remember I was sitting in my, my, uh, my room on my computer and I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to buy this 3d printer. And they're like, oh, go for it, man. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then, 
but but they didn't say like oh, it's gonna fail or whatever. I mean, at the time they're like, oh, he's got financial security, he'll be fine. And I was fine at the time. I still live with my parents, so yeah, of course I had financial security. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good time to take the risk. Like if I had like two kids and you know a family to support, it might be a little harder to risk that. But that's why it's really crucial to do it when you're in somewhat of a good situation. <laughs> That's one of the things that uh, a lot of us overlook is our risk factor um, when it comes to the finances, because that stability, a lot of us want to do great things. But a lot of us are always afraid of taking that plunge. Um, was there anybody behind you besides your parents that were kind of like pushing you forward to kind of say, you know what, you should actually go forward with your dream? Or was this all internal? I mean, my, my girlfriend at the time definitely was saying, Hey, you should definitely do this. And she's like, I don't see anything else out there. You know, I think it, it makes sense to do. I mean, she definitely pushed me to do it. Um, not necessarily from like a risk perspective, but it was just kind of ex- bringing on the excitement of doing it. Um, but you mean like from like a fallback, like, like, Hey, you know, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Like, yep. Yeah. No, I, I would say, yeah, I would say nobody specifically said, hey, you know, this is fine. You're not going to you're not going to lose any money with this. But internally, I was like, well, I bought this printer used so I could essentially resell it used for the same price. Right. So that was my like own like fallback. Like, ah, it's no big deal. You know, <laughs> I didn't have to take out a loan or do anything huge. Um, I think later down the line, when you kind of narrow down your risk a little more, a little loan would be more reasonable. Um but, you know, that's all. So somebody wanted to get one of the key card holders. Like, what is the, the price for the basic one? Yeah, so it's $13 uh, for this uh, single version. This is like the, the legacy. You can see the waviness in it. It's like one of the first ones I printed. Um, I kept it just because it's, it's fun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, they've evolved quite a bit. I mean, now they're more roundy and they hold like, two tokens and two badges. It's all different ones. But, yeah, so the first one is, is uh, $13. And then there's different models that hold more stuff like this one's um, 15. So uh, it just depends on what you're trying to do. Um, a lot of people have more tokens now, or they want to have like four badges or something like that. And it's, we've kind of evolved our product line to handle more than one customer. <laughs> yeah. Cause usually I've seen the two token. I've never seen the two token vertical. I've seen the horizontal one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one of our competitors. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so when it comes to those people who, um, who have want bulk orders, what does that process look like? Yeah. So that is actually part of the most fun of this, right. Is people who email me and they're like, hey, I'd like to order 300 of these. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Cause business to business I've always found is a lot cleaner and more service, customer service oriented. So we sell these on Amazon, but I can barely communicate with customers on Amazon. Um, with business to business, you can very easily like send them an email, say, hey, how was the delivery? Everything okay? You know, do you need any instructions? Like, uh, you know, do you want any additional colors? Like, you know, what's going on? So yeah, the bulk orders are great. People will email us and then they'll say, hey, I'd like to do this. I'd like to have a custom logo or something. And, you know, I just make it happen. And it, it can be, uh, it's a lot more fun to, to tackle the business to business, big order type of thing. Cause you know, you know, that, that dollar amount in the end. So you're kind of working towards that. <laughs> the individual customers are great, but uh, Amazon really limits you on what you can do. And, 
how you can communicate um, like with the whole returns process. Like if you have a, an FBA item, which is where you send a bunch of units to them and then they sell it and deliver it for you, um, you actually don't get to communicate with the customer at all. They will refuse to send you anything. They will send you their feedback and they won't give you anything else. So if they say, hey, this thing broke and you can't tell them, oh, hey, we'll send you one for free back, no problem. Nope. Right. <laughs> so. Oh, okay. Well, I'll make sure I'll put a link to uh, your your store inside the show notes down below, so everybody who is interested and in actually willing to purchase now can go ahead on and get a copy of it, um, or even just kind of go through your website and make sure that they can get one directly from you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and a lot of times, I actually, just got recent feedback from somebody because. They couldn't get it delivered to them in this place in, in uh, Los Angeles for some reason. Amazon wouldn't deliver. So I, I just said, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll just mail you two and didn't charge him for it because it's just I felt bad. I was like, yeah, here you go. And then two years later, um, he sends me an email. We, I actually did a whole deal with them. I didn't know it was them. And they bought over, uh, they were bought 300 of them. And then the last email we exchanged where I asked him, like, how did everything go? He's like, hey, I just want to let you know where I found you. And this happened two years ago and, you know, you, you know, send me two for free because they wouldn't come to my area and here we are. And now we made a good deal here. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> so customer service goes a long way. I mean, just sending somebody two units because it, it only takes me, um, it's a small amount to actually make these. So I was like, yeah, two units, no big deal. You know, get it to an area where people can kind of expand the interest. So that was really crucial. It's really focusing on customer service. You know what? I know we didn't dive into it. You got a few moments. We can probably dive into the um, trademark process. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I actually used trademarkengine.com and they did. It wasn't that difficult, but they filled out the paperwork for me. Um, but yeah, the, the key pieces are, you know, you have your first your specimen of when you first used it at all. And then when you first use it in commerce. Um, so you provide them proof that you've used this trademark somewhere. Um, and then you provide that to the trademark engine folks. And it's, that wasn't really expensive. It's like 50 bucks to them to do all the paperwork for me. And then the trademark itself uh, was $350 from the U S patent office. So that was very expensive. And it also took, I think like nine months for them to put that together. The U S patent office takes forever on this stuff. Yeah. Um, it also took longer for me because I had my last name in the trademark so they had to put a, like a call out to see, did, does anybody care that this last name is being used? <laughs> so I'm sure my family got some notification. <laughs> They're like, hey, is this all right? Um, but yeah, so then after about nine months, they approved it. And now I have my physical document trademark thing up there. I can, I can show you see if you want. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing special. It's not like a patent or anything. Nice. But I mean, it's yours. Like, yeah, no it is mine. <laughs> I'm happy to happy to have it, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, I had to do that for actually a couple of reasons to um, to sell on Amazon. They require you to have a um, a trademark to have your own brand, and having your own brand unlocks a lot of capabilities within Amazon. So that was my primary driver to do it. Um, so I didn't do that until I think it was 2019 is when I started that process. So um, so yeah, it's uh, it took a while. But I uh, had to do it and unlocked a lot of extra capabilities. And now nobody can use this, you know, this name to sell a product like this. <laughs> I, I definitely love it. Did you also trademark the um, 
well, patent because the trademarks are different, but did you patent uh, the holders too, or that's something different? Yeah, that's a great question. So that was one of the things I did try to do early on was kind of patent the, um, the utility piece of it. So there's different types of patents, right? You have a utility patent that's like, hey, I want to put this token with a badge, right? But those are really expensive. And depending on what's already out there, when I had my product out there and I looked at the patent process, there was other competitors right away. And they said it wasn't novel enough to really, when I talked to the lawyers, they said it wasn't really novel enough to kind of put on all this money and effort and then go back and stop all these other folks. Right. That's what, when they recommended, hey, make a trademark, build a brand, and people will recognize the brand and you'll be able to sell that. Um, so that's what they recommended. And, and really, I think it's twofold, right? It's, it's building a brand, but it's also focusing on innovation and making new products to help people. Um, but yeah, the, the folks, it was like $30,000 to look at a utility patent. So that was way too much money at the time. Yeah. Um, there's also a design patent, which would have been like one badge and here's the token holder and here's the piece and here's where it is and here's how it connects. And nobody could do this exact one, but right. somebody could move this on the side and adjust it. And it would be enough of a variation to not have to do it. Um, so that was, that was certainly an option, but then also the other part that sucks about patents is like you're essentially slowing down progress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's the thing, right? Like if somebody wants to innovate, like if I made that utility patent, nobody else will be able to have a product like this. There would be no room for somebody else to make something better or anything. Um, so I'm sort of against it. If something takes a lot of years of like research and innovation, mm -hmm. sure, definitely focus on that. Or if you have a special design that's very special and you know the actual design, how it is, really can't be tweaked super easily to still make it work, go for a design patent. And design patents like $5,000, but you know it, it definitely can stop other folks from using that design. And if you spent a lot of time making that design, it can certainly be worth it um, if you're going to make at least 5K um, back from whatever thing you're selling. <laughs> Man, you got me thinking like, because I actually went through a lawyer for my trademark and it's been a year and some change. And since it's, not that, it's not completed yet. What? Yeah. And, um, but because I guess because of the terminology is called about that wallet, and uh -huh. it's just a, I guess because it's common language, they have to kind of put it through a more rigorous process. Oh, wow. So versus if I were to do my name with something else on it. I don't know, but I'm still waiting. I didn't even do the logo. I just did the wording. Yeah. I'm sure the logo will probably be a lot easier, but I might try this uh, trademark engine and um, give them a shot just for the logo piece because it seemed like the price is a lot, I could say a lot cheaper. Yeah. I think I paid the lawyer because it was just one-on-one, I'd say about 2900 Holy crap. Yeah. That's absolutely, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, um, when I did my taxes, they they took it and they wrote it off. So I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you can write off anything you buy. I mean, that's another whole concept too. Like anything that's business related, you write off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, trademark engine was great. I mean, you get to talk to a person. I mean, they have the like a layered approach, right? Mm -hmm. First person you talk to is like tier one support. Like they'll get the pieces <laughs> together, and then you know once they have it all ready, then it'll go to the lawyer. Um, 
but the fact of the matter is they have like a pool of lawyers so they can reduce their costs on their time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that worked out really well. I like trademark engines. They, they were, they were helpful and helped me work through the language and make it great. And, you know, here's, I have my trademark. So yeah, I definitely recommend them. Definitely. All right. Well, I'm gonna give them a shot. Um, and I'll let you know how it turns out because, uh, yeah. figured, you know, this again, my logo. Um, if you ever follow me on about that wallet on Instagram, I put up my original logo, what I did, what I thought it would be. And it was, it was crappy. Oh, <laughs> so I actually had to hire somebody to, to come up with this one. And I was like, it's a lot better than what I could come up with. <laughs> Outsourcing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So one failure we, we did have, which was interesting, was, you know, this is all related to 3D printing. So I was like, all right, let's build something else that's completely different, that's not product related. And let's build a website that people go to. The main issue with building a website was there was no form of income because we couldn't get enough users quick enough to actually build something that would make any money. Um, so we built a website. I spent some money outsourcing some development. I also did some development myself. And it was a 3D printing website for people to download the parts to be able to 3D print, like you know, like an egg or for, for Easter or whatever the 3D printed parts are. You can put them on there and you know share them. There's a website called Thingiverse that just sucks and everybody hates it. So I was like, let's build something that solves that problem. But we went to a festival and stood there for, I guess, 16 hours telling people about this site. From the 16 hours we were there, we only generated 80 views. And there was 2,000 people there. So something went wrong with that whole thing. I, I don't know exactly what, but we, we paid for a table. We, we hung out. We talked passionately about everything. And, you know, that was, it was fun. I really enjoyed doing that. It was a good experience to try, but it was a total failure. And, you know, I spent like $4,000 on development money and the website's just a, a total miss. <laughs> so I mean, it was a failure, but, you know, we got back up and we said, all right, well, this was a good experience. We're not going to build a website again, unless <laughs> we have a better way to make money. <laughs> so. Yeah. Cause right now what uh, I use, um, well, obviously you're talking about some time back then, but now obviously they got the little free sites now, like Linktree and Floco that you can actually build your <laughs> your linkable site. So you don't have to worry about all that. Uh, the marketing stuff, plus with the QR codes, you can have it go directly to your site, get the views that way now. Is that something you want to get back into or not going to worry yeah, about? Yeah, probably not. I mean, definitely. <laughs> I mean, so the site was a little more complex, right? Because we had... We had some some actual computing that needed to be done for the parts and being able to upload it. You have a database. Like it's not as simple as like you know building a Google site or something. You, you had to do a lot of like logic and putting pieces together. Like I built a database schema. Like I did a lot of work. I probably spent like a lot of time on this. Probably like four solid weeks of like full 40 hour weeks, I guess you could say. I don't know. I spent a lot of time trying to build this damn thing. <laughs> but it just didn't work out um, and I probably won't do it again just because websites, there's no product really other than the service of the website and people on the internet don't really expect to pay for stuff that is already free. Even if it sucks, they still will go to it. And that's, that's the thing. Um, so really it could be a good, like 
way to spend money to reduce your taxes and maybe increase your business like purview, I guess. Um, but that's about it from like from a website perspective, from, from my experience. It's, it's hard to sell something from it. That's why I love the product business because you can sell a thing. It's tangible. It's like, oh, hey, you want to buy 10 of these? All right, well, here's how much they cost. Right. The website's like, what do you charge them? Like a monthly subscription? Sure, but people hate monthly subscriptions. <laughs> and if there's a free one, they're going to go do that. <laughs> yeah. So that is that's something I, um, and as people go through trying to start their business or figure out what it is, it's like, do you want to be in the service business? Or like I said, it's a product making business. Um, and it's easier, like I said, everybody loves tangible items because like as dumb as this thing is, this is what I talk to when <laughs> I, I do my shows by myself, but it's like, it's something tangible and I got it from my Happy Meal because I used to go to McDonald's get Happy Meals. <laughs> you get everything you want inside Happy Meal. <laughs> including happiness. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and having that tangible item is... is it's much more than like, say, if you paid a service for me to kind of help out with like mapping out your finances for some reason, or just trying to talk about some of the behaviors or you kind of feel stuck. That's not tangible. It's one of those intangible items and the feeling of like, hey, you just did an awesome thing for yourself. Um, so, yeah, we might have to talk about uh, see if I can get some tangible items. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's certainly uh, certainly another area of interest. And and like you said, that is always another concept of like, will we a service business or will we a product business? And like my parents, their example was service business, but I ended up not building one because I like vehemently did not want to do it. <laughs> they had a lot of people and had employees and that's a lot of work and a lot of time dedicated. And then employees leave and they, they there's a lot of like turnaround and you know, you have people's lives to think about, like they need time off, like, you know, situations happen, like it's all this other stuff. And when you're selling your product, it's just a thing, you just sell it. <laughs> <laughs> so something to think about. Nice. And now do you, um, so pretty much you mentioned earlier, people can put their logos on it. So is this almost like a white label setup? Uh, what's a white label? Like white label is where somebody with the business, say for my business, I can actually say, hey, um, I want about that wallet printed mm -hmm. on there um, without your logo being put on there at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. Yep. That can definitely be done. Yep. Yeah. And, and basically what we'll do is we'll take the logo and I'll do some some CAD work. It takes me like three hours almost usually to get the logo to a way that can be 3D printed. It's a little complicated because you have to like, you have to do things that, 3D printers aren't really the best at, which is printing in multiple colors. Um, and you have to like stack the layers so that it, it shows up with a color. Like here's a 3D print that has like four different colors. So you can see like it's all printed horizontally. Mm -hmm. So it can be done, but it takes a lot of time to kind of orchestrate what they have in their logo, depending on the complexity of their logo. But yeah, we have um, different logos we've made for companies. I'd say we've done, we've done about like nine different ones already. And uh, they've been bulk orders, so people buy like a hundred of them. Wow. Okay, I gotta figure out like what do they do with them? <laughs> what do they do with them? Yeah. So yeah. like, you have the logo. Okay, three printed. Do they like? Did they ever tell you what they do with them? Well, I mean, these I'm I'm sticking on the badges. Like they they stick oh. them like basically like it would be something like this where the logo would be just hanging underneath. Okay. So 
so yeah that's that's what they do with it. <laughs> that's pretty awesome um so again we, we were talking about risk early a little bit offline and can you expand on what are the risks that you had starting up this business yeah i mean i had a lot of uh i mean the financial piece was one but then i also had to figure out like where am i going to put this print printer and you know where am i going to set everything up how do i order filament um like the material you actually make this out of um i also had issues with plastic material that wasn't up to par um i had to source material that had different strengths because 3d printing like in general is designed as like a prototyping type of deal right so that was a huge challenge is trying to figure out what plastic can i use that won't break so i printed a whole lot of them right and for a while, some of them would break and customers would come back to me. And luckily I had a smaller group at the beginning and they would let me know, Hey, this broke. Can I get a new one? Of course I get them a new one, but I knew I had a problem. And so that was a big risk for me is like handling that early problem, like of manufacturing. Like when you have a product that you need to like recall almost what do you do. Um, so I did a lot of time and research and I finally found a, a material that worked for me. Um, and it was really strong. Like you can hit this material with like a hammer and it doesn't break. <laughs> it's truly impressive. Like uh, it's, it's great. Um, and that's what the company prides themselves on. They, they made this polymer of plastic for 3d printing that enables you to then have 3d printing for actual manufacturing and for a real life product instead of just a prototype. Um, yeah, and, and then later down the line, you know, I, I got, I got a little bit smarter <laughs> and, the manufacturing method and you know just improving how fast things could be printed and then also reaching out to the suppliers of the plastic and saying hey can i get this in bulk and that was really where i started to see a lot of savings and um you know shipping's cheaper i could get a whole lot of it for like almost 40 to 30 percent off which is perfect i knew i was going to use it all so I just, you know, started reaching out and then I started doing that for everything, like envelopes to ship things, shipping labels, everything, just start looking at it in bulk. <laughs> so from a small business perspective, um, can you give them some of the tips and maybe some of the tips and tricks that you learned along the way to kind of help curve them starting their own business? Yeah, I mean, I would really focus on finding a problem that is niche enough, but not um, too niche, but also not too broad. You want that something kind of in the middle. If you're going to try to build a small business, um, yeah, you can build a big business. That's fine too. Um, but you know, it's, you have a ton of competitors if you get in the big business area. So if you find a niche market that not many people have really solved the problem, that's really gold. So look out there, look on Etsy, look on, you know, Amazon, look on the internet, see if anybody's done it and look at your customer base. Is it going to be, you know, 500,000 customers, 5 million customers, you know, what, what's it going to be? And you really want to kind of narrow it down. And then you have to move to market very quickly. Um, I think that's a crucial thing. If you find a niche market that just changed, like one of the products we sold a while ago was a Peloton cell phone holder. And during COVID, there was a lot of sales um, of the Peloton. So we made a product very quickly to hold your cell phone 
on the Peloton. Now that product is since dead for me because there's so many competitors because all the other companies said, oh, wow, this is a great market. Let's jump in, let's innovate. And they have teams of people that can go in and actually like make a product. So they very quickly innovated me out of the business. <laughs> so I think it's real crucial to find something that's uh, kind of niche enough, or if it's something really, really big, dedicate a lot of time to innovation. Cause that was one of my biggest mistakes is I made that product and focused on just selling what we had. If I would have innovated and had a better product, maybe some of the competitors wouldn't have, you know, been able to compete with me. But in the end, that's what I should have done looking back at it. <laughs> so from a small business standpoint, definitely focus on finding a middle ground niche market. Now, do you still have those uh, holders available in your store? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we sell, so for simplicity oh the the peloton ones yes yeah yeah no they're on amazon yeah they're there <laughs> we only make like one sale a week now for those so it's it's definitely slowed down but that's okay i mean i'm, I'm i accept it i mean we made i would say we probably made like forty thousand dollars like uh, net of sales from that holder so i'm good with that it was a temporary product it helped me i put down a down payment for a house right like, like it's like, that was great so certainly an option, but you have to get to market quickly and you just have to run with it. If you don't, you know, really get it out there fast, then somebody else is going to hop in, you know? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the, the financial aspects of it, um, because you talked about how you got started and we talked about some of the risks that you've been through. So now let's talk about what did starting this business um, and pretty much <laughs> going after your dream of solving a problem uh, allowed you to do? Yeah, no, it's it's really helped me a lot. I mean, it put, like I said before, it helped me put down a down payment on the house. I bought the house, of course. Um, and now I'm actually you know, working with my fiance and we're building a house. Um, so you know, we've definitely made more money than we could have before um, with this business. So I think that's a, it's made a huge difference in that. Um, I bought a Tesla, so that was pretty cool. Nice. Um, <laughs> I put down a large down payment for that, which is great. Like it's people are like, oh, how much did you put down? I'm like, oh yeah, it's this amount. <laughs> and they're like, oh wow. Yeah. So that's that's been good. And it lowers your monthly payment. Um, so that's made me happy. And then just really being able to purchase really anything I really need need for stuff. I still have a like a limit on myself. Like I don't just go out wild and buy new things just for the heck of it. I really don't like to do that. That's just my own personal way of living. Um, I really look at like, do I really need this thing? So that's also helped. Like I save most of the money that I earn. Then um, I really want to think forward like to the point of retirement in the future. Like if I'm going to make this money now, I might as well focus on, you know, reducing my debt, like for the house and stuff and not having a car payment, all those types of things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been helpful to my financial part of my life for sure. Yeah. Has there been, um, has finances been something that your parents kind of talked about when you were younger or was this kind of just like, eh, I'll learn it as I go. And then when you got older, I started doing this business, like, yeah, I started saving some of this money. Yeah. So they definitely, they involved me in everything they did. They had a small business as well. Very different. They had a service oriented business. So it's not really related to this, but I always had a dream as a kid. I'm going to manufacture a product, be in the factory making it. So I was like, I'm going to do that. So I ended up finding it, but, but yeah, so they had a, a, a small business as well. And they always involved me in the logistics and the finance part of it. Um, you know, they always told me like, 
you know, never spend money you don't have, you know, try not to take out loans for stuff and live within your means. Like they'd always involve me in that type of stuff. And they would always ask me, they'd be like, Hey, you know, we have this situation and uh, you know, what do you think? What should we do? And, you know, they just ask me the questions like the Socratic method. It's, it's, it's great. Um, and then, you know, over time I learned a lot from them on how to manage money well. And it really leads back to just not spending money that you don't have um, and trying to live within your means. Um, not trying to have the newest, latest thing always, you know, try to keep the cell phone for like at least a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I try to keep mine for at least five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and another thing they really taught me, which helped, was that they were always working. Like, we're literally sitting at the beach, and they had their cell phone, you know, ready to accept a call from their, their client. You know, they got calls at the beach. Imagine if they weren't there. They'd be missing out on, like, a bunch of money. So, you know, they really taught me that work ethic of, like, let's always be working you know, in the back of our heads, which is fine. I mean, you have to take breaks and enjoy stuff. I still go on vacations and stuff and have a good time, but you know, it's still, I, I got it in the back of my head, like maybe there's an idea around here I could try to do <laughs> always searching for that next, you know, product, something we could make. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Cause speaking of, like you said, a childhood experience, um, do you plan on having any kids? I'd like to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Cause I was thinking about that work-life balance. Like, when you are you growing this business for your children to take over or are you just growing this just so that when you have children they don't have to worry about you taking phone calls while you at the beach with them it's really funny you mention that because um yeah that's that's exactly like my parents they did it for that reason right they they did their business and focused all their time so their kids don't have to worry about answering phone calls at the beach but here I am doing exactly what they did. So they always tell me, they're like, oh, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. So to answer your question, you know, if, if we do have kids, whatever they want to do, if they want to sit back and relax, it's fine. As long as they, you know, know the qualities and key enjoyments of life, I'm good with it. But if they want to have a business and be as busy as I am, sure, go for it. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy in general. So I, I, I don't see why not. I think the business really gives me something to focus my energy and efforts into that's like productive and supports the community and serves a purpose. Right. Uh, I think it gives me a great, a good deal of purpose. So yeah. I think it's worth it. Uh, so yeah, it's yeah, like, like I'm saying is that they can do it either way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good that you keep it open. Um, and especially if you've been through that process uh, because um, I've known people that um, where their parents had their own small business or uh, been doing their business for so long that they don't they themselves don't want to go through that process. They'll just rather work for somebody and and find, I guess you could say, joy and just still being able to find the money and the stability in doing that. Um, so doing this process, did you actually quit your job? Uh, when you're no, no, so I still work, but now I've actually, since the, you know, since the business, I've actually been able to start working part-time. Okay. So, I mean, it's not that much less, it's 20% less over 32 hours a week. Um, but that really helps me just get more sleep and just have a little bit more mental sanity than burning the candle at four ends. Um, and really kind of focusing on something I really, really enjoy doing. I learned a long time ago, or really not that long ago, <laughs> back in <laughs> 2018, that, you know, if, work, you only have so much control, right? You're working for somebody and 
they get to decide what happens ultimately. You can, you can, you know, persuade as much as you can and do that. But at the end of the day, you're, you're doing a goal that is not yours. So I really like that part about my business is it's really mine. And if I want to take it somewhere, I can decide to do it. And, you know, it, it's up to me. And uh, that really gives me a lot of happiness and, and you know, contentment to be able to do that. So that's why I really, I kind of did the part-time thing and said, you know, let me focus a little more on the business where I really have a lot of fun. Not saying my job isn't great. I do like my job, but, you know, it's definitely cool to have a side business as well as like a backup. You know, like let's say, you know, I get laid off or something like that. It's unlikely, but certainly possible. It's great to have that business. That's like, yeah, we already have this going. I have a thing I can do for a few months until I find another job for maintaining security. Yeah. Cause um, and also depending on your job, I mean, not just the laid off perspective, but whatever tools that you're using that could actually hinder you from getting to work. So, or doing the work. So um, I know for me from doing like some technical things, if my hands were crampy, I'm not doing anything technical. Yep. I can talk about it, um, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, or even walking or anything like that. So it's one of those. But like I said, having that stability in that background. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, the stability is certainly a good thing. And that's why I always keep my, my job because it gives me that huge amount of stability. And that's one thing my parents are always like really gung ho on. They're like, don't quit the job. Don't do anything with the job. They're like, go back to full time. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I'm doing all right. <laughs> but it, it's one of those risk takers. Like, well, not the risk takers, the naysayers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things I, I did talk about on the show before was that our parents only take us as far as they're comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Even though they know other things that could actually take them further, they only do, share what they're comfortable doing. Yep. But that was pretty cool that your parents were willing to share as much as they shared. But now at this level, they're like, oh, yeah, you want to pull some of that back? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because I'm trying to do other business stuff, too. And they're like, oh, do you really need to do all that? I'm like, I don't need to, but I find it fun. So why not? You know, and that's that's always been a, a question in my mind. Like, Do I take this on? Do I not? You know, <laughs> well, let's um, let's move on to the third segment, which is the features um of your business so what are these do you are you okay talking about these new ventures that you're looking into getting into yeah sure yeah i can definitely talk about it uh what would you like to know yeah yeah um like what what is a new venture what's the next yeah so part of it a part of this business is the 3d printing the plastic parts right so one of the things i've been looking into lately is actually making the the plastic that makes the parts right so i always Think of like a vertical integration, like what do we do next to be able to support the business we have? I mean, I, I've always been looking for a new product to sell and we've made a couple small products along the way, but none of them have been like very lucrative or been like a big enough niche to really sell a lot. Um, they've been too niche. So it's just nobody really buys it. Um, so I've been focusing on what do we have in our current business and what can we do to like reduce our costs? And then also kind of work in the same community of like 3D printing because I really enjoy that community and part of this process I've gone to different events and just had a blast at these events for 3D printing um, so I really enjoy it I've learned a lot about 3D printing so I'm like okay well what kind of product could I do so let's make the plastic that makes this stuff um, so that's been a, a new venture I've been spending about a year year and some change on actually um, 
on actually making a machine to be able to make the plastic. So uh, I've done a lot of research and talked to a lot of companies who already do it and just you know, hear about what they're doing. And, you know, we focus, we, we work on it one day a week. I have a coworker who's also interested in 3D printing and he's always there helping me out. And we're just engineering this machine to build. And I can send you a picture of it and you can, oh, yeah, <laughs> you can put it up later. Um, just like I'll send you a picture of my 3D print farm area. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're trying to make the plastic and trying to sell it. And um, we actually have an event in October to go to where we're going to try to launch there and say, hey, here's our plastic. And, you know, you can use it for your 3D printers. And our differentiator is um, we're going to make smaller quantities to sell to people. Mm -hmm. Right now you have to buy like a full kilogram, uh, which is quite a bit of one color. Um, so one of the first things I always wanted was like, I want to have all the colors. So we're going to make it smaller. We're going to go with a quarter of the size of that 250 grams and then sell a bunch of the smaller spools. So the margins are tight, but um, we'll have like a 40% margin, which is just there on the edge of like being profitable. <laughs> so um, I think that'll be fun. And it's related to what we already do. And I'm hoping that I can also make my own plastic to support my own business. And then we can reduce our costs. So that was the original goal with it. But then I'm like, you know what? Let's just sell it. <laughs> so you want to sell the whole business? No, no. Sell the, the plastic. It's oh, the plastic. Other oh, people. Plastic. Yeah. Because at first I was like, okay, let's do it for just supplying the plastic for my own parts. But then I was like, yeah, no, let's, let's sell it to everybody. Because um, it's really this business of the plastic and making your own is really benefited by buying things in bulk again. So it makes it a little harder for me to buy all this plastic for just my own business. So that was the point where I said, okay, we need to probably sell this. <laughs> That's really good way to do that. And then you can also outsource as well. Back to the white labeling piece, which is like, hey, this company was like, hey, you just, for me, it's like, say, for instance, if I just want to make um, 3D printed about their wallet logos and I'll just kind of say, hey, whenever, every time somebody order, I'll just ask you like, hey, can you just make like 300 of these? <laughs> and yeah to go that route um one of the things i went to this uh it's almost like an engineering conference but they have them every year and i cannot recall what it's called i think it's called the make it or something like that they have like a magazine and all this fun stuff maker, but, hmm? maker fair i think so hmm. um but they had one in DC a while ago. I'll say at least five years ago. It's been a while. <laughs> Send me emailers and in magazines, but I always toss them. But I'll probably I'll do an overlay of what the actual thing is called. Okay. Um, but they did have a machine there and talking about solving problems. And we know we have a lot of plastic already that's been made, and we have a lot of plastic bags from the grocery store. And I think other. Dell or Microsoft had created a design or some like big honky machine that you can actually put your regular grocery bags in and it'll melt it down for the film for the 3D printer. Wow. So it'll come out in these cool colors because every bag is a little different. They already got the plastic, so they just melt it down for the film. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. No, I love that concept of reusing stuff we already have. I have like a big bin of reject prints. It's like uh, like 500 of them. I would love to just shred and melt down and turn into, you know, plastic. <laughs> well, maybe that might be a new uh, adventure. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> that's definitely an idea. I mean, recycling parts that people have already had, it's, it's definitely something people want to do. But there, there are definitely, like, I know of another company that did it like super small scale. Like they sell like your own filament maker um, that you can make just one spool in like five hours or something. Um, but that's pretty cool. But then if you combine it with the concept you were talking about of like shredding your other parts and then turning that into the, the actual plastic you use, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> so you might be honest on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like where you're going. Yeah, I did want to mention one thing. Um, you mentioned the outsourcing piece. I actually learned a lot about that and that actually helps so much. That's something my parents didn't do. They never outsourced things. They always like, oh, we need to change the floor in this area. So we'll change it ourselves. And like, okay, it's the <laughs> business. And that's like, wow, it's a lot to take on. So one of the things I did recently, you know, I mentioned it took three hours to do that logo work. Yeah. I've been able to actually go on like Fiverr and say, hey, here's a logo they've given, they've given me. Please turn this into an SVG. And that takes like two of the three hours out of the equation. And it only cost me like 10 bucks. So <laughs> it's two hours for 10 bucks. Like it's totally worth it. Um, so I think definitely for other people starting small businesses, outsourcing small things that other people are experts in, it's really better overall. Like my economics teacher back in, in uh, college always would say, you know, specialization is always where you want to go. If a company can specialize in something, you know, use their specialization to support your core business. And uh, that's been something I always think about when I'm doing stuff. I'm like, okay, should I be wasting my time on this or should I just have someone do it and then provide me so I can focus on my original problems I want to do, you know, want to solve. Now, is that, again, it goes back to those risks because that's one of the things I'm afraid of when my own business is like, what do I outsource mm-hmm. first? Because um, right now I do outsource to count, make the scheduling piece which is like how we got yeah. you on the show um, instead of me just sitting here and like, Oh yeah. Hey, what do you want to do? And set up the schedule and all this fun stuff, just let a whole nother company that specialize in it to do that part. Um, but what, I guess you could say, how do you decide on what to outsource? Yeah, I guess <laughs> it may sound strange, but like what brings me joy? What doesn't bring me joy? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's really kind of the first decision factor. Then the next one is like, how much is it going to cost, right? Like if it's going to cost me like an absorbent amount of money to outsource this thing, I'm not going to do it. Like, for example, like the CAD to do all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I love it. Sometimes I don't. Um, but if I outsource this, it's very expensive for somebody to do this design work. So it just at that point, it's not worth it. Um, so, yeah, it's so cost and does it bring you joy <laughs> is what I would choose. Uh, I, I love that. Um, that might actually be the topic of the show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, because I, I love pod decks, um, and it's, I'll try to ask one question based on pod decks. Sure. Um, have you ever heard of pod decks? No. This episode is powered by pod decks. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? 
Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Ah, there we go. Entrepreneurial secrets. Hmm. That's a good question. So what is your biggest goal for this year? Let's see. <laughs> it's more of a personal goal than a business goal, but my plan is to build um, my original plan for this year, I'll go with the original plan, was we we're gonna have our house built and I'd like to build a solar array so I can power my uh, 3D printers with this solar thing. So I can kind of say, hey, this full business is running off of completely renewable energy. <laughs> that was my that was my original cool goal for like the, using business money to support the business and then also do something green for the environment. Always had an interest in solar. So that was my goal was like get the house built, build this solar array and empower the full business with this uh, solar stuff. <laughs> and then you can recycle bags at the same time. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's a new goal for that's next year's goal. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my biggest goals. I mean, for the business, at least. Um, other than that, I mean, the idea thing will just come when it comes like a new plan or new idea. I just got to put myself out there travel more do something to kind of bring the idea to me. <laughs> I like that you're you're keeping your business modular, but still keeping the core product going. So yeah. You never lose that, that site. Exactly. Yep. That has helped me maintain and keep the customers happy and really focus on what they need. And I've done a lot of modifications and tweaks for different people. And I'm like, okay, what's the cool idea? Let's sell this new idea. <laughs> um. These are kind of basic questions. I'm sure you probably get these all the time. Um, This one is a good one. Was do you belong to any business groups or masterminds to help you on your entrepreneurial journey? No, I don't. Um, I don't know if you consider like business, like because I'm part of the. It's not part of it, but. That 3D printing festival that I talked about before, like I, I'm always interested in that. I, I always attend that when it's available. Like it's not really a business group, but it's the realm of business that I work in, and I definitely am always part of that community, and I really enjoy that community. I like I go around and talk to everybody at the festival, so that's one thing I do. But yeah, I'm not part of any like formal business, like carry your business forward, like how to find money stuff. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, because it's um, it's one of those awesome questions to ask is because it's like, do you need a community? Yes, but does it have to be like all like in a different mindset? And that's why I always think about like, when you start these groups, just focus on what you love doing. Mm-hmm. Everything will just kind of work itself out. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, you can't say that better. Like that is perfect. If you focus on what you love doing, it, the other pieces you'll find the money you'll find the place you'll find the time if you really love it <laughs> but if you find like i mean i always bring up the the need for like crackheads like they are always broke but for somehow they find the money to yeah. be high again it's true <laughs> that is a very good point yep <laughs> it's a morbid <laughs> one but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so that was for Poddex. Uh, for those of you who actually want to get your own Poddex, use the promo code WALLET and you actually get to save 10% on 
anything inside the store. So you can just go to poddex.com. All right. So we're down to the last segment of the show, which is the final four questions. Are you ready, John? Absolutely. All righty. What does wealth mean to you? I would say not having to say, hey, is this going to, is this purchase going to affect some other part of my life? Can I just buy this without needing to give up something? That's, that's wealth for me. I mean, it's from like a perspective of just money. I mean, there's a lot of different types of wealth in my, my mind, like, you know, happiness is kind of part of wealth really i mean you really need it um and then just feeling secure with what you have not feeling like you have too much debt or you owe too much money to people um yeah but really that the main that key question or that key concept of thinking okay i don't need to give up something to go to buy this i can just do it you know or i can go on that trip and it's not i don't have to second check oh do i really have all the finances in line to do this like just having that financial freedom to say yeah, i'm just going to do what i need to do and do what i want to do <laughs> within reason of course <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to go broke thinking yeah exactly yeah <laughs> number two what was your worst money mistake uh, i would say i know i mentioned buying my car that was probably the worst money mistake. I mean, I, I do like my car, but the Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so much money to spend on a vehicle to get you from point A to point B. So like it conflicts with my core concepts of like spending a lot of money on stuff that will actually do something for you, but it does get me to work. It gets me around. So it's, it's worth it, but I could have spent a lot less on something. So that was probably, probably an illogical way to spend money. <laughs> Uh, what is your favorite financial or non-financial book? I don't have a financial book, but I do have, you know, actually I do have one. Um, <laughs> it's like five steps to become a millionaire. <laughs> I used to read oh, it. Nice. I used to go to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's exactly that. I have the book. I can send it to you and you'll be able to put up a picture and show it to people. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was one of the few books that I did read. Um, that are kind of entrepreneurial. <laughs> was there anything like good takeaways from that or? Um, I, most of the book really focused on like doing things that you love and like customer service and really finding a good problem to solve. Um, that's like worth a lot um, that will bring you financial wealth. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the core goal is like doing what you love and then bring you like finding an idea, really. I think that's one of the key pieces that I got out of that book. I couldn't sum it up for you. It's been a while since I read it, but those are some little tidbits from it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll definitely um, put this in the show notes for people who just kind of want to take that challenge on because that's the whole purpose of the show is about financial behavior anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of help you build those, uh, as you could say, the confidence in your choices. Absolutely. Yep. That, that's a great way to put it. All right. This is one of my favorite questions, which is what is your favorite dish to make? (laughs) Um, It's this thing called chicken puffs that my grandma made from the back of a Philadelphia cream cheese. Mm -hmm. Um, It's uh, Pillsbury crescent rolls with 
cream cheese, onions, celery, and a little bit of mayo inside of a crescent roll and chicken, of course. Um, so good. delicious. Yeah. And, uh, I always have good memories of my grandma making that. And it's, it's, it's funny that you, she found it on the back of a um, Philadelphia cream cheese because it uses an entire stick of eight ounces of cream cheese. <laughs> so like, how do we get people to use a full thing of our product? Ah, we'll give them a recipe that lets them use the whole thing. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. It's a good business idea from their part. So how do we get people to use our product more? Okay, let's give them a recipe on how to use the whole thing. <laughs> pretty wild but yeah that's my favorite dish and then i actually have a youtube video on how to make it you can you do you can, if you want yeah oh uh, yes, so yes. Full steps. yeah the full steps on how to do it i have a terrible haircut so right. please ignore that but <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a great recipe <laughs> yeah I, w- I would love to see that because uh you know maybe somebody else out there got a full stick of <laughs> yeah full stick of cream cheese <laughs> if you don't like cream cheese forget it but <laughs> most people love cream cheese so <laughs> Yeah, I can see why they use mayo because I use mayo instead of butter um, because it actually has the same properties, but it, it doesn't leave that greasy feeling. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, like applesauce is also a good replacement for butter and some recipes are like baking. Um, it's crazy how you can take something that's less healthy and just replace it with something that's health, really healthy. <laughs> you know what? I'm thinking about it now. You, you already solved your own problem when you're talking about your spindle. Mm-hmm. If you give your spindle with instructions on things you can make with this full spindle, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep, yep. You give them a little flash drive with like parts to make right there. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. <laughs> we go sit here, come up with ideas all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could do that, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's a concept that I guess we learned from uh, Philadelphia cream cheese is with your product, make sure people can use up your product right away and give them the steps. <laughs> Just imagine if every business did that. You know, I always, you know, I drink on my my uh, live shows. Um, but imagine if on the back of a bottle or you get like a card or something like that to say like, hey, make your party great with this recipe on how to use our, our product. Yeah, like, like a mixed drink. Like, hey, you're drinking, you know, orange juice and it's like, oh, here's a recipe to make this super special, you know, mimosa or whatever you know <laughs> or mountain dew if you're drinking mountain dew it's like oh hey you can make this cocktail with this and it's delicious <laughs> so proud yeah yeah it's, it's definitely a way to to get people interested and keep it keep it new you know because mountain dew is mountain dew but hey if you mix it with this it's a whole new experience <laughs> i just tried um on i think that was just say because today's saturday recording so yesterday um friday they somebody introduced me to a taking a Krispy Kreme donut, mm. put it inside a waffle maker, wow. so it melts the, the icing uh-huh. and then it caramelizes when it cools. Throw that on a plate, put some just regular vanilla ice cream. Mm. Amazing! Wow, that does sound delicious. And that's just using what already exists in just a different format and totally new experience <laughs> and then they also made s'mores too so they did like the whatever that jiff puff whatever it is the yeah. marshmallow stuff oh, but i got um a hershey's chocolate bar yeah. and then put it in between the two uh the two donuts wow my ball that's so. so delicious <laughs> yeah, that, that is a cool concept though is like 
what you have now, what can you do with it in a different format? You know, what can you take this and completely convert it and make it into a new experience? Yeah. That is, that is a cool concept. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're living proof that it happens because you're already doing the 3D printing and you're taking it to the next step, which is, like you said, it takes a little while to do, but you can do logos. And then you already was doing like cell phone holders. Because for one, I'm still trying to find a good cell phone holder for my bike. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> and there's tons out there, but it's hard to find a good one where it doesn't keep rotating every time you hit a bump or something like that. And it's yeah. A yeah. No, I totally know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I used to bike a lot and I never, I just put myself in my pocket because it wasn't worth it. Yeah. <laughs> but like we had a lamp that, no, like a light that would aim in front of the bike and that thing always tilted forward. I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's round. So anything on a round surface will eventually, after enough bumps, just go, you know? <laughs> so that's the solution to solve. I'm, I need to figure out that solution. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give that one some thought. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, John, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, can you actually, this will be the very last question, which is where can people find out more about you? Yeah. I mean, if you go to tboware.com, you can look up our company story and, and, and be able to purchase things there and request things. And if you want a sample or something, you know, reach out to me and we can talk about like a new problem you might have with related to 3d printing and, and we can try to support you. So yeah, tboware.com. We're also on Amazon. If you search for tboware. Um, it's our um, registered trademark and everything. So you can find us on Amazon. Uh, we're also on Etsy as well. But uh, you know, any of those three platforms are perfectly fine to, to get to us. Well, that concludes this episode of About That Wallet. I hope this topic was helpful. If you want to get the latest episodes, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Remember, it is your duty to know about that wallet. Take care, be safe, I'm out, peace.